Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I am so excited to have Shannon Briggs from SLP Corner here on the show today. And we are going to be talking all about tips and tricks for applying to graduate school so you get in with ease and confidence. So Shannon, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited. So tell everyone a little bit about your journey, your SLP-ness, and um, where you're at and the world of SLP. <laughs> okay, so so I went into the SLP program at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. I went in right after my undergraduate degree. I just wanted to continue going to like I just wanted to continue the schooling. So I went straight into that. I just finished. That is why I'm just like I want to release all this information while I still have it in my mind because I get so many questions from people about like oh like what are your tips for applying? It's so competitive and everything. So I'm, I'm, so we just finished the program. So that's why this is all really fresh in my mind. And I just started my first job in a private practice in Vancouver. So that's been quite the learning curve. And other than that, I just have my blog, SLP Corner. I have my podcast and my Instagram. So perfect. Awesome. That is awesome. So what, Let's start with, okay, so someone who is, someone listening might be an SLPA or an undergrad or thinking about going back to school, switching careers, what would be the best advice for starting the application process? Yeah, I think the best advice for starting the application process, if you're in undergrad right now, would be to just slowly kind of create your portfolio of experiences. They really like well-rounded applicants. 
it, we, we're moving away from the like GPA is everything. And I think they really care a lot about like where your experience is, what have you learned throughout undergrad? So I would just recommend you try to get involved with some research at your university, try to do some volunteering, get some relevant jobs. You could try a hobby like a blog if that's something that's interesting to you or that's something that's fun for you. And I think one thing that I would say is when you're thinking about gaining all of these experiences, I think it's important to still do what you like doing and what you want to do. So I would never say like, oh, just do this research with this prof just because you think that that looks good. I wouldn't, I always did things that I actually was interested in. And I think that that kind of shines through on your application. So I would say develop all those experiences, but also still try to make sure that it's, it's still true to what you're interested in, what you're passionate about. So true. When I was an undergrad, I did several independent studies. One I did with the professor of like child language disorders, like where we like dissected research articles together. And then I did another with like, had nothing to do with speech, but was really relevant now. I did a independent study with like a study skills class, like basically teaching freshmen in colleges, like, you know, how to study, how to take notes, like all those things that like probably didn't learn in high school. <laughs> so, you know, I took the class basically for an easy A and then the professor and I was like, it was, it looked so good on a grad school application. Like here I was like working with like a department, not speech, but still was relevant. So, and it's funny, like some of those skills and strategies I now share with my students today. So it's really funny, but yeah, that's such a great idea that like seeking out experiences more than just the GPA. Mm -hmm. Of course, still don't forget about your GPA. Well, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to encourage anyone to forget about that, but yeah, I would definitely, I think that gaining those experiences is really helpful. The next question I'm sure millions of people are thinking about is how many grad schools do I apply to? Like, what's the magic number? This is so tough because so I'm in Canada and it depends where you want to be applying to, because I know like Canadian schools, they only let Canadians apply to their programs. So it's actually easier than sometimes the American schools, they let Canadians and Americans apply to the program. So, so it, it kind of also depends where you are, like thinking about things like that. <laughs> but I applied to, I think, four or five programs. I feel like you should just make sure wherever you're applying, you will actually be willing to move to <laughs> because if that you're asking for references from your professors. And so it matters like which ones you are applying to, you're going to have people helping you get into them. So, I mean, I think the more, the better, mm -hmm. of course it's expensive. So take that into consideration, but I would say the more, the better, but then you should also take into consideration things like, will certain schools prerequisites lower your GPA? So I know that some schools in Canada, I didn't apply to because they were like, oh, you're going to need another stats course and, or another like biology course. And I was like, not applying because I don't want to lower <laughs> my GPA. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, um, like more, the better, of course, it ups your chances. But then I would also be strategic in if it's going to lower your GPA and if you'd be willing to move there if you actually got in. Mm -hmm. And I will add this as the states person that you want to consider where you're going, where you're going to get licensed. For, so I wanted to, I applied to only New York State schools because I knew I wanted to end up in New York State and I didn't want to have to deal with the transfer. Like wherever you go to graduate school, they will help you 
fill out the paperwork. We'll kind of bypass some loopholes with the licensure and ASHA paperwork and stuff like that. So I knew I wanted to stay in New York. So I didn't want to have to deal with transferring states. So that's mm-hmm. something to keep in mind with if you're, if you want to apply to different states for maybe an experience or that's where you're going to get, you know, you're going to get in. You might want to research the reciprocation process for the licensure. Yeah, that's a good point. That goes the same for if you're in Canada, you should also consider like which college you want to be a part of depending on the province because all like where you're going to school, where you're getting those placements, it's just so much easier to find a job. So I know some of my classmates, they moved out of province and then they're trying to go back and it's just like you lose out on all those connections that you're making. So that's definitely something to consider. So true. So true. Like I, this is bringing about like 14 years of memory, but I applied to schools on Long Island because I knew I wanted to move back home, eventually start a family on Long Island because that's where my family was. But <laughs> My boyfriend at the time, now my husband, so I can laugh about it now. We weren't sure if he was going to graduate on time. So I applied to stay, you know, applied to where we went to undergrad University of Buffalo, thinking like, in case I have that as a backup. But like, I, also, I knew that like, if I went there, I wouldn't have the same placement connections mm-hmm. for when the job went seeking a job. So th- these are all things to consider, like where you want to end up, where you want to work, the connections you're going to make. Mm-hmm. But also, what would you say to someone that is curious about like, might not get like they've tried before, they haven't been able to get in, they're trying again, what should they do differently this time? Yeah, I feel like that happens a lot. So I would look into at which point you didn't get approved and pushed through because so for some universities or colleges in the States, they'll have like a first wave where like, Oh, you got accepted for the interview. That probably means you had a really good GPA. So then maybe if you didn't get past the interview, maybe you should look into like your interview skills and things like that. So kind of check where you didn't make that cutoff. Like, did you get the interview? Did you not get the interview? Things like that. And then also sometimes I've seen this before where people are like, I, don't know where this went wrong. My GPA is high. I have such a good resume. And then I would look at your references. And this is a piece of advice I give everyone is like, when you're asking for letters of reference, ask for a strong letter of reference. Don't act like make sure you specify that you want a strong letter because you never want to be in the position where it could be your reference and then not knowing. So yeah, I, my brother's a professor and he warned me about that. He was like, when you apply, make sure to ask that you specifically want a strong letter, not just any letter, because some profs will just write you any letter. And then that might be something that's affecting your, your chances of getting into the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I would just say like, keep doing different things. Yeah. When I was, yeah. When I was giving my professors and various people in my circle of life, asking for recommendations, I made like a folder for them. And I put in the folder, like, here's my resume. So if you want to like get a little sneak peek of all the things I've done, here's like my GPA or my grades from your classes. If you don't remember, like remind them, especially if you had them like three semesters ago, like you're one of 50 people. Like They don't necessarily remember exactly, you know, how you did in their class or whatever. So. Yeah, that's so true. Like, when you email them, I always like, it's like, make it easy for everyone, you know, and like, don't make anyone work too hard, like, send them your cover letter, send them a memory from the course, so they could remember you from something like do things like that. And then also like, ask profs that, like you said, they'll probably remember you like, 
sometimes people just be like, oh, I'll just ask, you know, any prof, like, <laughs> I like them. like, but did they know you? I feel like that's something yeah. to consider. Maybe ask the person that you didn't, maybe got that A in the class. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe not the B plus, you know, Yeah. like also like I knew I wanted to work with children. So I was not going to go to the professors of the classes that were like the adult classes. Like, yeah, I might've done well in them, but is that really going to help me getting in? If my whole, and my whole essay to get into graduate school is about working with children and how passionate I am about that. Like what good is it that I use my like dysphagia professor or whatever Mm -hmm. to get in? So thinking about all those different things or like, and being as organized as possible. Any tips for like the organization piece of this? Because I feel like that really truly helps it. Yeah, that's huge. I think like there's so many different levels of organization for different things in your undergrad degree or your undergrad program. So it's like you want to make sure you're organized in all your classes so you get those high grades. I used a planner and I put everything into my planner. I even put office hours into my planner so I could choose like two profs a term that I'd go to other office hours every week so that they would know me for my letters. So it's like think ahead to do things like that. Smart. And then like Excel sheets, Google Docs for figuring out the programs you're applying to. And then I always tell people like email. And so there's a paper trail of if you're asking like, does this class work or does this class match this class at your program? And I, I would like always email, make sure there's a paper trail of everything. So smart. So, so smart. When, and this would be maybe different states, Canada, like when should someone, because this episode is airing like end of November-ish, when, <laughs> when should people start the process? Like I know people don't get into the spring-ish, but what would you say they should do first, like look on their websites, like where should they begin to start the process and how much in advance should they start? So I think that you want to have an idea of the schools you're applying to far in advance. Like you want to be planning for this to choose your courses in your undergrad degree. So third and fourth, you should have an idea. So you're strategically choosing courses. So that's years before. For things like reference letters, I think it's so important to ask so far in advance. So like to give an actual specific example, it was Christmas. So it was Christmas time. So it's just past term one. And I was going to be applying in the fall for the next spring. And I emailed at Christmas. So that's like a year and a half early. Wow. Literally, because I had one friend who was trying to apply to the SL- an SLP program in the States. And she told me at, I we had the same summer job. And I'm so thankful for this because she was like, don't wait too long because they get so many requests that they just can't fulfill them all. And if Mm -hmm. you only have one, two, however many options, you really want to make sure that is solidified. Mm -hmm. So I literally emailed that early. And then they were, then they, they, I was worried they might be like, this is weird. Why are you asking me so early? But they, they were like, yeah, sounds great. Just send us reminders. And then, and then after that was solidified, I started creating like the organization, like Google Docs. Mm-hmm. So I would say like a good year in advance. <laughs> and it, if, if you haven't done it yet, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> While you're listening to this, to pull over in the car, put, send, send, ask uh, Siri to remind yourself to set, do this later on today. It's okay. It's all good. And if you're listening and you're like, okay, why am I listening to this episode? I am already an SLP. I'm sure you know someone who is thinking about applying. So tell them about this episode. And Shannon, can you share with us one like aha moment that you had throughout the whole process that like you wished you knew sooner? Yeah. I, one thing that one of my friends told me and they told me 
like it was nearing the end, but it's so anxiety inducing. And even now, like you, you saying like, oh, some people might listen and they might be like, oh my gosh, I didn't do that. Or I didn't do this. My advice would be, and this, I, I heard this from someone else. I didn't come up with it, unfortunately, but it's keep your blinders on. Like as if you're in a horse race, horses have blinders over their eyes. So they don't see the other horses running past them. It slows you down to be looking at what everyone else is doing and worrying what everyone else is doing and trying to keep up with them and always comparing yourself. And I think that that's kind of just a life lesson in general. It's like right now I just started a new job. So I'm asking all my friends from the program, like, oh my gosh, are you finding this harder? Are you finding this hard? And I'm comparing myself. And it's like, when you're doing these things, you really just want to keep your blinders on, focus on yourself, just try to be the best you. It sounds cliche, but I think that that can be really helpful and kind of reduce the anxiety surrounding applications. Especially when you're all competing for the same spots. Like you, I, I, I know I remember more not necessarily in undergrad, but when we were graduating from graduate school and applying to jobs, I felt it was very like hush hush, like no one spoke about it. It was like that untold secret that we know we're all applying, but we're not going to talk about it because we're all applying for the same jobs. And then you would see each other at like, like interviews. So that's the best advice. That's such good advice to just keep focused on yourself and that'll keep you not so stressed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Keep your stress levels down. So, so true. So, so true. And what did you find was your best tip for maintaining calm and not freaking out about the whole process? I think just like knowing that I think two things I would say, like one is whenever I was stressed about a midterm, an exam, all the little details that can really, really stress you out when you're applying and you're constantly looking at your GPA is just like, ask yourself, like, did I try my best? Mm -hmm. And if you tried your best and you really did everything you could and you got whatever mark, just, that's just life. Like you tried your best. And I think that's kind of freeing. Like I always would just ask myself, like, did I try my best? Did I put my best foot forward? And then if that's yes, then I kind of had some, I just, it felt kind of freeing to think that way. Um, so I would try to like change your thought process surrounding your marks and all of those things that go into your application. And then the other thing I would recommend is like, you need balance even like now, I don't know, even having like the job, like now I'm working and I have my blog and everything. Like sometimes I'm like, I just don't need SLP in my life every day. Like hobbies that aren't SLP are so grounding and they can really reduce anxiety. So like going for a run, hanging out with people that aren't SLPs can be nice. (laughs) (laughs) And that, that said, you also can't compare your friends applying to others like programs. It's very different. Like I found myself getting very annoyed that they were hearing things back. Like they were getting into schools that I wasn't getting into, but they had lower GPAs than me. I'm like, but there were different programs. So <laughs> be careful of that. Yeah. No comparing. <laughs> Just don't compare. <laughs> yes. Yes. Any other bits of advice that you feel like someone should know that we haven't shared yet? I feel like Just in general with applications, like people will sometimes say, like, how can I stand out and be unique and kind of like seem really special to the people who are accepting applications? And I feel like my advice for that would just be kind of what I mentioned earlier, like really just hone in on what you are interested in, what you like doing and just just focus on that. I wouldn't try to like fall into a cookie cutter application that you, you think you need to fit into. Just do your thing, 
work hard, and I would just try to be as well-rounded as possible. That's such great advice. That's such great advice. Thank you so much for all these amazing tips and advice and guidance. And especially like there was no Google Sheets when I applied to graduate school. So I don't even think there was Google. So um, I, I couldn't find these things out. There was definitely no Pinterest. I'll leave it at that. Podcast? I don't think definitely not. We were like, Napster. Um, anyway, <laughs> just to put my, my age. But tell everyone a little bit about where, where they can find you, learn about you, about your SLP inspiration. Yeah. So you can follow me at SLP Corner on Instagram. I have a Facebook page and a blog at SLP Corner as well. And then my podcast, SLP Corner. So everything is SLP Corner. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much, Shannon. And as always, I'm going to end this episode with a joke of the week. So why didn't the teddy bear eat his lunch? Because he was stuffed. I'm ching. You guys know I'm a cheese ball, but our students love these jokes. I use them every week. And it really is a great way to build that rapport, build that routine, and have a little fun with your speech students before you get started. So I will see you all next week on another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Stay out of trouble. It is no secret that as SLPs, our focus is always on coming up with new and creative ways to engage our students while teaching them practical and meaningful skills so they can lead more productive, communicative lives. It's also no secret that reaching that goal consistently sometimes feels so out of reach. Being bogged down with paperwork, heavy caseloads, and unrealistic demands put on us by admin has our braids ready to explode, leaving us questioning our confidence, suffering from imposter syndrome, and being unsure of our place in a field that we love. That is why I decided to have a little fun and put together a free quiz that digs into the different SLP personalities we find in our amazing and challenging profession. This free 60-second quiz can help you discover which movie character best represents your SLP confidence, so you can begin to reclaim your time and banish overwhelm for all. No matter which result you get, each character embodies unique qualities that highlight the gifts and abilities you bring to your speech students each day. It also tackles the areas your character may need to work on in order to feel 100% confident as an SLP. Plus, I threw in some access to freebies for you. Who doesn't love freebies? So if you are tired of feeling negative, overwhelmed, devoid of confidence, or just want to have a little fun, take the quiz today. Head to speechtimefun.com slash quiz. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.